Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up, folks? Welcome in. Late week edition, Hardwood Handicappers. Due to scheduling conflicts, Kelly Bidlin not joining us here today. So we got a good episode on tap. Take a look at some big picture stuff as we head into the All-Star break. Some fun with the All-Star break festivities as well. Although uh, injuries do seem to potentially uh, be affecting what we're going to see All-Star weekend, specifically with the All-Star game. It may be one or two of the uh, challenges or what do we call them? Competitions, I guess we'll say, that we're going to see over the weekend. So it's been a fun, we call them first halves, but they're not. But it's been a fun first half. Uh, head into the break with a little momentum, so see if we can get this thing going on into the second half and uh, see if we can still find some valuable opportunities. But we do have a little bit of news to get to, so let's start the show as we always do. Hardwood headlines. All right, this is minor news, it does seem, but last day of the All-Star before the All-Star break. Uh, Milwaukee and Chicago play one another. Milwaukee gets a big win, 112-100. They win 12 consecutive games as they head into the All-Star break. We'll get to Milwaukee big picture-wise a little bit from now. But wanted to point out here that Giannis did, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo, seems like he sprained his wrist in the win over the Chicago Bulls. He actually left the game early in the second quarter uh, with the injury to his wrist. The x-rays came back negative, and uh, by all accounts, it does seem as the Bucks have called the injury minor. So we'll just keep a track of this as we enter All-Star break, and we have about, what, nine days or so before these some of these teams get back into action that would include the Milwaukee Bucks. So it does seem that this is not going to be something that – causes Giannis Antetokounmpo to miss time, uh, but it does, of course, affect what we might see All-Star weekend, which is just Giannis playing or not playing in the uh, NBA All-Star game, and it does seem like that might be the case. We should also point out, too, uh, that Joel Embiid might not be playing in this game either. Uh, Embiid has talked a lot about how he has not been healthy all season, how he wants to find a little bit of rest here um, because he wants to be fully ready to go for the uh, home stretch. The quote from him, I'm not sure. I'm not healthy. I haven't been healthy for the past three weeks or month. I was just trying to get to the All-Star break without missing games and stuff. But I feel like I've reached a point where I need to follow the doctor's advice. Back then, he said I should have been sitting for two weeks. So we'll see how the next few days go and go from there. So Embiid's, as we know, Embiid's been questionable every single one of these games. 
I would hope for us betters who are doing this on a night-to-night basis, would hope that he doesn't play in the All-Star game and that would lead to, I don't know, maybe not listening him as questionable for every single game so we can maybe get some clarity. And as I've written about, written about, written about, um, and for those who have read the columns, you you know this too, for every 76ers game, I do note that Joel Embiid is listed as questionable, but he missed one out of the last, I think it was 16 games. And he had played in somewhere around 10 to 11 straight so the questionable tag was, I don't know. Like the, the, what teams will say is they list him as questionable just in case something flares up so they don't get in trouble. I think it's dumb gamesmanship. So hopefully after an all-star break, and I, to be honest with you, as somebody who doesn't really take in the all-star game that much, hopefully he takes the day off, <laughs> doesn't play, or like makes like a ceremonial start and then leaves the game. Um and then, of course, we can get maybe some non-questionable designations for Joel Embiid as we head into the home stretch of the season. Because, frankly, it's just kind of annoying. And the market, I mean, look, the market has had some, I don't know if I want to say the market's had some trouble with it. I, I thought it was interesting that right before the All-Star break, they, had, they came against Cleveland, in which he was listed as questionable. And the market really moved against them like he wasn't going to play. And the rest is history. They ended up beating Cleveland 118-112. to It was kind of an easy win for them for the most part. Cleveland made it interesting down the stretch, but... Um, we'll see if this is going to change here for Joel Embiid, maybe after he gets some time off. Hopefully that is going to be the case for those of us who do like to bet the NBA on a day-to-day basis. So with that, again, it's a light news schedule. There's really not a lot to get into a whole bunch. Um, we did see that Kevin Durant got introduced, so that's fine. And, um, you know, it's funny, we I should point this out, I guess. Um, Tim Bontemps, which ties nicely into what we're really going to talk about here, which is the uh, straw poll that Bontemps comes out with which the, the newest edition did come out. Um, Tim Bontense did get a quote from Adam Silver on Friday. I th- Was it Friday? No, it wasn't Friday. Um, they do, Man, they do this all the time. Can't be Friday uh, because this is coming out on Friday. Um, but regardless, they um, talked a little bit about NBA officials being held accountable. It eh, doesn't really mean that much, but thought it was worth mentioning. All right, so let's get to the big thing here. And uh, that would be, we can use this as part of the headlines, I suppose, the MVP straw poll. This, Second one has been released, and uh, it does seem that Nikola Jokic is on his way to winning his third consecutive MVP. Now, I pointed this out the other day on uh, Final Countdown, and I should point this out as well here. Uh, These straw polls have a very high rate of accuracy. It has been a very good indicator as to who is going to win this award, but it should be pointed out that these are not all MVP voters. So, like, all the people who are polled here, all the 100 people that are polled, um, not every single one of them are official MVP voters. So, the the way I put it is, the degree to which Jokic seems to be favored here, it might not be that high. I, or, I mean, the other fair way to look at it is, it might be higher. Um, but these are not the official MVP voters. Some people that are included in this poll do not have an actual MVP vote for the award at season's end. So, with that being said... Nikola Jokic, uh, right now, according to the straw poll, is the runaway thing, uh, runaway leader for this thing. Nikola Jokic got 77 of 100 first-place votes. He got a total of 913 points, um, beating out Giannis Antetokounmpo, who came in second with 552. So that is uh, quite the gap, I would say. Uh, not good at math, so punching it into the calculator, that's a 361-point lead for Nikola Jokic as we head into the last stretch of the season. Um and it does seem like this is a one-and-a-half-horse race at this point right now. And one has to wonder, even if, because we always have the danger of 
missing time. But one has to wonder that even if Nikola Jokic misses time, if he's done enough here to win this award by like by by default, essentially, even if he does miss time down the stretch of the season. So always factoring in injuries. And the market, as it usually does, has adjusted to this when it comes to the MVP. Uh, Jokic is now the $2.50 favorite. However, what I find really interesting here, and this is the point that I wanted to bring up, right? Because I don't, I don't think you're rushing to lay $2.50 with Nikola Jokic. Clearly, he's got a gap on the pack. And you might think of that as a cinch here. I think it's. I'd be a little bit more cautious with that, and I think he might be a, a little bit more accurately priced, right? Um, and even so, let's see. I'm going to do. I am terrible at this. This is just a small experiment. Um, he's got. No, that's dumb. I was going to say he's got 77 of the first place votes, 77 percent of the first place votes, and he's got a 71 percent chance of winning the award. There's value. No, that's a joke. That's not the case. Um, but there is value in this market. I would say so. If you if you take the straw poll at face value and you say this is representative of what we are going to see when it comes to voting for the award, well, then you are running out to make a bet. You're running out to make a bet on Giannis Antetokounmpo to an MVP because I do find it interesting that the market has adjusted with the straw poll, right? It has accurately adjusted Nikola Jokic as the $2.50 favorite. But what it didn't do was look at this poll and go, okay, well... We're looking at this and seeing that Giannis actually has about nearly 100 points. It's, it's more like, what are we talking about, like a 62-point uh, lead on Joel Embiid. He's got five more first-place votes. He's got 14 more second-place votes. Shouldn't he be the second choice to win MVP? And, and maybe even not above Joel Embiid, but to have Embiid where he is. And, and liability, I always say liability, right, reflects what you see in these futures markets. But to have Joel Embiid at 425 and to have him at seven to one to have that difference right so 19 percent implied probability uh, for Joel Embiid to win this award compared to just 12 percent or 12.5 percent for Giannis Antetokounmpo market's got that price wrong right just given the fact that the straw poll says that Giannis Antetokounmpo is a second choice here for MVP and we can get into you know the stats and the numbers and whatnot I know Ian McDonald who uh, follows the league like crazy and we text all the time uh, who's a decent listener and subscriber, uh, texted me right the uh, this uh, the graphic that they had up on, I think it was SportsCenter or something. But Giannis Antetokounmpo, so this is instances of a player averaging um, these stats entering the All-Star break. 66 players have averaged 33 points per game. 25 players have averaged 30 points per game and 10 rebounds per game. Four players entering the All-Star break all time have averaged 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists per game. And only one player in NBA history has averaged 30 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, 5 assists per game, and 50% from the floor. That would be Giannis Antetokounmpo this season. So he checks a lot of statistical boxes. I don't think Giannis is dead in this thing. And the fact that they're winning as many games as they are is really helping his case. I do think the market's got this mispriced. So it's funny, you know, we come away from the trade deadline in our episode last week. And we talk about, hey, what's the takeaway from trade deadline? It's to bet the Golden State Warriors, a team that really didn't make a massive deal at the deadline. Uh, or, you know, we did talk about the Lakers to make the playoffs. We'll talk about the Lakers coming up here in a minute. But I, I think it's funny, again, how the takeaway should be from the MVP straw poll. Don't run to bet Nikola Jokic. I think it's at a ticket on Giannis Antetokounmpo at 7-1. to I don't think the market's got that priced accurately if we are taking the straw poll at face value. And the straw poll does have a really high rate of accuracy. So I, I think 
I think, I mean, let me double check. Maybe I missed it in reading his piece. But I do think that we're going to get one more straw poll um, before the season's end. I could be incorrect because there there's years where he did three and there's other years in which he did just two. So that would be um, something to monitor here as we move forward. So he didn't really indicate in the piece, and I haven't listened to their newest podcast yet because uh, Bond Temps. I, I have to stress too, by the way, because that's the topic. Listen to these podcasts, man. Like, obviously, you should listen to this one. But, like, listen to Hoop Collective with Windhorst and Bontemps in them. Listen to Low Post. Listen to, um, what is it, the NBA show over on the Ringer or, or whatever um, um, Kevin O'Connor's new thing is, right? Uh, listen to some of these athletic NBA pods. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, not that I'm pushing for you to go listen to the, is, it, is that the competition? I don't know. Uh, but it gives you a sense for these awards where the grand scheme is in terms of like the media and, and what is a talking point amongst the people who are deciding these votes. I listen to these podcasts because I think they're entertaining, but I also listen to them because they have value when it comes to how we're handicapping some of these awards. It really does help. So uh, just keep that in mind. So I'll, I'll listen to that later. Maybe Von Temps notes uh, w- whether or not he's going to have a third straw poll. But ultimately at the end of the day, takeaway from the MVP straw poll is that Maybe the market's mispriced, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is worth a bet at 7-1, to one, just given the fact that uh, Joel Embiid was behind him. Uh, I want to make one last note on this thing, and this is a non-betting topic, but I'll just say this very quickly. Uh, it is insulting to see people inv- involved in this straw poll vote the way that they do. And this is not a criticism. You can vote whoever you want, whatever, right? And that goes for everything, I guess. Uh, no, I do. You should be ashamed of yourself if you are one of the three voters who did not include Giannis Antetokounmpo on your ballot. You should be questioned in terms of your either integrity and or, I don't even know what the word would be, when it comes to having Jokic fourth. Okay? You don't want to have him first? That's fine. I think he should be first. That would be on my ballot. Uh, So you want to put him second? It's fine. Want to put him third? I'd very much argue with it, but okay. But to have three players in front of Nikola Jokic at this point to an MVP is, it seems at least, somewhat of a personal vendetta. And to have Giannis not even included on the ballot also seems like whether it's a personal vendetta or you just don't pay attention, which is like both are, I don't know. I don't know which one's more egregious, but both are really big problems. All right, so with that, let's do one more award thing before we take our break and we get to some of the other stuff that we have planned here. Um Wanted to hit on six-man one more time. And I know we've hit on six-man quite a bit here throughout the uh, year. Really because uh, it is the the lone player award that doesn't seem to have like a true favorite. I know the market says that there is a true favorite here. And <clears throat> Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lyra Markin are at the top of most improved. And it, it seems like it's going to be one of those two. And those two haven't really uh, differentiated themselves. And so they're both, both uh, plus 130. So I bring up six-man of the year a lot because I do think that this market – has been one that has been mispriced for quite a while now. And I bring this up too because right now we again have an odds-on favor for this award. By the way, um, I'll pat my own back here again. I mean, I I threw out on Twitter, I'll shave my head if Russell Westbrook wins this award. He's not winning this award. The fact that he's still the fourth choice to win this award is a reflection of liability, and that's about it. It's absolutely ridiculous uh, that he is where he is still on this uh, odds board. So with that out of the way, Malcolm Brogdon, should not be the $1.70 favorite to win this award, especially when you have guys like Norm Powell playing 
as well as they are at this point of the season. But to say that Norm Powell, or excuse me, that Malcolm Brogdon has a 63% chance of winning this award, I think is asinine. And again, that might be a reflection of liability. But again, going back to my point of listening to some of these podcasts, and again, this is only just one voter, so just keep that in mind. But Zach Lowe mentioned the other day that Norm Powell is probably the front runner for six man of the year. And keep in mind that when guys like Lowe throw out those opinions, it's also because he talks to other people around the league. So, and that's, that includes people who are voting for this award. So to have Malcolm Brogdon as this $1.70 favorite, I think that Norm Powell should be favored to win this award. And yes, I have, I have, a, I have something in this fight. I have Powell at 30-1 to 1 to win this award from before the season began. Uh, I am a Clippers fan, so maybe that, that, that skews the way that I look at this too. And as a supporter from the Clippers monetarily as well, what I mean by that is you know, somebody who's bet futures for them, uh, maybe that skews my thinking too. But when you read some of the noise that is uh, around here when it comes to sixth man of the year, Norman Powell's name continues to pop up with people who have sway for people who have votes for this award. And I think that the market, at the very least, if you want to say that Malcolm Brogdon should be favored, sure, fine. But to make him a $1.70 favorite, to make it that high, I think is incorrect if you're doing it in that regard. Because Powell has slowly but surely been getting better as the season has gone along. He is now part of the closing lineups for the Los Angeles Clippers, too. So he's going to be playing in some high-leverage situations for this team despite coming off of the bench. And just look at, so these are these are by month for Norm Powell as he's gotten better. So in October, he started five games. The team was all beat up, so he was really uncomfortable in his role. He averages just 10.9 points, 2.7 rebounds, 1.6 assists on 37% shooting. Since then, he has gotten better every single month. Twenty-four on twenty-four minutes per game in November went up to sixteen point seven points per game. Kept that kept that uh, stat line through December, where he averaged sixteen point eight. So slightly improved his points per game. Uh, kept his efficiency in both of those months. And in fact, in the month of December, shot fifty-four point eight percent compared to forty-nine point seven percent in November. In January, his points spiked again. Went from sixteen point eight uh, points per game in the month of December, and he only played in six games in December. He missed some time with injury. In January, 18.5 points per game in 16 games, two of those starts, and he shot 49.5% from the floor, 47.8% from three. And in six games in February, the guy has been ridiculous. 21.3 points per game in six contests, shooting 50% from the floor, 37% from three. For the season as a whole, coming into the All-Star break, 17 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, shooting 48% from the floor, 41% from three. And as I mentioned, he is going to be closing out games for the Los Angeles Clippers. I would just say that the market's a little a little skewed here again. And it's been the case all year long. I mean, I guess the one thing that will, you know, going back to the Russell Westbrook point, that's been the point of this podcast with Kelly and myself this entire time, was that the market was mispriced because Russell Westbrook should not have been the favorite. That turned out to be true. And now we have this again where I think the wrong guy is favored. And again, if you want to say that Malcolm Brogdon's the favorite, that's fine. But it should be like a 1% or 2% difference between him and Norman Powell. Uh, not a massive chasm between the two like the market currently has rated. All right, we'll take our break here. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about All-Star Weekend. But I also wanted to get into, you know, we'll recap what the Futures Board looks like now as we head into uh, the All-Star break. And whether the opportunities are still there to maybe play on a couple of guys, uh, hit on some updated numbers there. And, and also, just like... It's an interesting time because now that these teams have changed, and I know we hit on this in this last episode where it was talking about what we've seen from these teams now that they have their pieces, but now that we have a few more games under the sample size in terms of these improvements, 
you know, which teams have shown us that they are worth maybe investing in as we head into uh, what some people call the second half, but is really just the home stretch of the NBA season. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get to Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of and those. Then never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. All right, welcome back in. Harvard Handicappers right into the All-Star Week. Um, A shout-out to Chad Andrews out in Denver does radio out in Denver and also covers the Denver Nuggets and other Denver sports, but he's going to be with us. Uh, we're going to record on Sunday after the all-star game. So we'll have that on Monday, our conversation with Chad and, and we haven't, we've hit on the Nuggets a bit, but I wanted to hit on it from the Nuggets perspective and, and really look at this team. Cause I, I thought the Nuggets were one of those teams. We discussed this. I don't know what show it was, but it was in a guest spot, but I thought the Nuggets were still a very good team. I think they were one of the teams that suffered from not making any moves at the trade deadline. So look forward to that coming up at the beginning of next week. So with that, let's talk a little bit about, um, let's go big picture first before we get into some of the all-star fun and shenanigans. Cause really I actually don't have any opinions on anything all-star break related uh, outside of the three point contest. Cause it does seem that maybe the skills competition could get derailed because Giannis Antetokounmpo is part of team Antetokounmpo. And he of course is dealing with that wrist injury. So, a quick overview as we head into the last uh, the last eight weeks, I think it is, of the NBA season. The Boston Celtics are your favorite over at DraftKings to win the NBA Finals at plus 275. The Phoenix Suns are the second choice at plus 425. Milwaukee Bucks at 6-1. to one. The Denver Nuggets are at 8-1. to one. 
The Clippers are at nine to one, and then you get into the double digits. A slight gap between the 76ers at eleven to one, and then the next couple of teams: Mavericks at sixteen, Memphis Grizzlies at seventeen, Warriors at seventeen, and then Cleveland Cavaliers at thirty. So I think you can kind of, I think at least, I think you can cut off, like you can cut the line through there for the most part. In terms of like, so what are we talking about? One, two, three, four, five. So those ten teams that we just listed off you can kind of draw a line under those 10 teams because I don't, I would say very much so um, the probability of a team outside of those top 10 winning the NBA finals this year is very, very unlikely. And the odds would represent that. So as we look at this to win the NBA finals, where we're at with some of these teams, it is hard for me not to go back to the same few teams that we have discussed here a couple of times on this podcast. For example, if you're wondering, okay, who's the shortest shot that is worth taking at this point right now, I would say it is the Milwaukee Bucks at 6-1. to one. Milwaukee should not be rated behind the Phoenix Suns, a team we have yet to see, by the way. It's incredible, right? They introduced Kevin Durant. Uh, we haven't seen him yet because he's been injured. And that look, the Suns are going to be good with Kevin Durant. Don't get me wrong. But we have yet to see what that looks like, and still the Bucks are behind them. And they should not be. They shouldn't be. Milwaukee with Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think rates higher. As a team, even at full strength, than the Phoenix Suns. Uh, those numbers with Giannis, of course, on the floor uh, have been unreal. Giannis has been unreal himself. And what those small ball lineups can do in certain matchups are going to be pretty brilliant for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the path for a team like Milwaukee is tougher. So maybe there's a chance that they don't even get to the NBA Finals, but still can't. Like those two things can be true, right? You can't get to the NBA Finals, but still you are the higher rated team because the path that you need to uh, traverse, I think I used that word properly is a lot tougher than the one that some of these other teams in the Western Conference are going to have to go through. But Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks, I think, should be rated as the higher team. And look, the numbers are starting to get better with Giannis out there. Giannis plus uh, 7.7 when he's on the floor, plus 7.7 per 100 possessions when he's out there on the floor for Milwaukee. But I, I just the what this team is going to be when it is all fully formed and put together is incredible. And those small ball lineups are deadly. Like That is the thing in the back pocket of the Milwaukee Bucks. That rates them pretty high. Giannis at center this season, they are plus 15.8 per 100 possessions. They are only allowing 102.6 points per 100 possessions. And that does not include, of course, uh, any lineups in which we have seen a guy like Jay Crowder at power forward. So this is going to look pretty good here for the Milwaukee Bucks when everything is said and done. This is going to be a team that is going to be um, a force to be reckoned with once we get into the postseason. So I think Giannis and the Bucks at 6-1. to one. Or even better, again, shop around. I'm just using these DraftKings numbers because, uh, frankly, it's easy to pop up on the desktop. But I think it's always – it goes without saying that you want to shop around and get 6-1 to one or better on the Milwaukee Bucks. But I think Milwaukee is absolutely a team that, if we're talking about short shots to invest in, go ahead and do it. Very much worth it. If we're looking for the value plays, per se, elsewhere, if you want a little bit more bang for your buck, I, I continue to kind of beat the drum that the Milwaukee Bucks, or excuse me, the Milwaukee Bucks, 14 slip, uh, that the Golden State Warriors um, are the shot that you want to take. Because again, and it's, it is somewhat unfair because it kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It kind of lessens like what the issues are, right? I don't mean to gloss over what the issues have been for the Golden State Warriors, but we're now in the, the midst of this being the second stretch of basketball that Steph Curry has missed himself because of injury. And that is not something... Um, 
that I really like to harp on a lot, right? Their best player has not been available for two really big stretches. And so thus, I want to bet on teams that are performing or underperforming due to lack of availability as opposed to poor play. And with Steph Curry out there, their starting lineup of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney, that lineup is still elite. That is plus 22.1 per 100 possessions. Their offensive rating with that lineup on the floor, 128.5. A defensive rating of 106.4. Like this is still, when you look at the Golden State Warriors, there is still that power five group that they have that is going to be a very, very big problem to deal with. And yes, does the bench need to get better, especially in some of these um, these lineups? Absolutely. And Jordan Poole has not been the same effective player that he was a season ago. And I think that's completely fair to point out because Poole has a lot of that on his shoulders when it comes to being the main bench piece. And when he's on the floor, their offensive rating, negative 1.6. Not very good. Not very good at all. So when you look at this overall, I can understand why somebody would not want to back the Golden State Warriors. But when you're talking about the reigning Western Conference champions who have been missing Steph Curry for long stretches this season, who, when Curry is on the floor with their primary starting lineup, has one of the best starting lineups, actually probably the best starting lineup in the NBA statistically, to say that that team is 17-1 to to win the NBA Finals, to say that that team is, what are we looking at now, plus 850 to win the Western Conference, I think that is incorrect thinking. I think that is incorrect thinking. I think that is incorrect pricing. I think when you look at the actual basketball matchups, we've talked about this before, I think they do match up with the Phoenix Suns. They can throw a bunch of stuff at them defensively, and on the flip side, the Suns have nobody to chase around. Steph Curry on that end of the floor. I guess you have Josh Okoge, but that's still a matchup that works in the favor of Steph Curry. I think their smaller lineups are still going to be a problem for the Denver Nuggets should they face them in a best-of-seven series. I Look, people laugh at this because, of course, I'm biased. I think the tough matchup for them would be a team like the Los Angeles Clippers who have the size and athleticism to deal with everything they happen or they have, but still the Warriors are the more experienced team who have been there and done that before. Clippers have one berth in the Western Conference Finals to talk about in franchise history, and that was a couple of years ago, but still Warriors went out and experienced and wouldn't be surprised if they were favored in that series and ultimately won because it is the Golden State Warriors and so on and so forth. I mean, frankly, to have the Golden State Warriors behind the Memphis Grizzlies, I think, is ridiculous, given the inconsistencies that we have seen from the Memphis Grizzlies offense, and Luke Kennard is not fixing everything for them. Yes, to have a shooter like that and to have lineups where there's going to have two shooters like Kennard and Desmond Bain on the floor together, it's going to be a lot better for Memphis. But to say that the rating-wise and the probability of them winning the Western Conference Finals is much or is higher than the Golden State Warriors, I think that is flawed in the way that it is priced. So if you're looking for like a mid-range shot, 17-1 to win the NBA Finals, 8-50 to, uh, to 1, or plus 8-50, to win the Western Conference, that is still a bet to make here for the Golden State Warriors who are going to get Steph Curry back once he gets back from injury and after the All-Star break. And really after that, I, I just I keep kind of looking around and just really thinking that there's nothing much to pick out of this market. I mean, I keep kind of making the case for New Orleans, right? Like if you really wanted like a beefy long shot and you're wondering what to do um, on some of these, New Orleans fits the bill of a team that has been underperforming due to a lack of continuity with personnel as opposed to what you're looking at from a performance standpoint. Zion Williamson's injury does not help, though, but I will reiterate one more time here for anybody who had not caught that, but uh, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson on the floor together this season. The New Orleans Pelicans are a ridiculous plus 17.3, 124.1 offensive rating, a 106.9 defensive rating. 
So him and Williamson together, they're a dynamic pair. And you throw their, I guess, do you call them a big three? C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, a plus 19.5. So there's a lot to like about the New Orleans Pelicans. They were the one seed at one point, for crying out loud. What was it, like 20, 22 games in or something? Maybe it was a little bit more. Maybe it was like 30. Regardless, there's a lot to like there. It's just, at what point do you fire? Because they're starting to dig themselves into a hole from a standings perspective. Because the NBA, um, from a play-in standpoint, the Western Conference could be absolutely wild. But right now, they're in the play-in area. And that's maybe going to be a beast. Because it could be, like at this point right now, we're looking at New Orleans, Minnesota, Golden State, and Oklahoma City. The Lakers could shove their way in there. So you're looking at potentially the Lakers, the Warriors, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves maybe. Even the Mavericks could slip down into the play-in because they're only a half game up on it at this point. They're not playing particularly well. They lost three straight going into the break. So you can make the case for the New Orleans Pelicans, but I I think that's just like a fringe play that maybe that's going to get you somewhere. Maybe that team can make a run. It also just depends when Zion comes back so he can work his way back from that injury and find a little bit more continuity there. But I think that's the deepest you're going. And in the Eastern Conference, too. I mean, there's there's four teams. The Eastern Conference is not that deep. Knicks might be good for a uh, a series win if they match up with the right team. In other words, getting to five and maybe matching up with like a Cleveland. But even then, I think Cleveland would be able to take care of business in that regard. So, anyway, just wanted to run through the, the, the futures board and take a look at that really quickly and just kind of pick through that. I didn't really find much else. I would love to hear if anybody else out there did. Uh, if you guys think, of course, you can send it on Twitter at me, JVT, or anywhere else um, in the comment section, or was it the review section of the pod? Would really appreciate it. You can throw that in there. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, uh, let's transfer over to the All-Star Weekend and just hit on something. I like to have fun with the three-point contest. It's really the only bettable thing for the most part. Uh, the skills competition was fun. You know, Jeff Parles, my co-host the other day, brought up a really great point, which was, you know, the skills competition, which was like one-on-one, and you had, what was it? It was like, Dribble through the cones, um, hit this like like it was like a it was like an outlet pass through a through a hoop like a really small hoop. Then it was like finish a layup, then come back on the other end and hit like was it like a half court shot or something like that? I don't know what it was or a three point shot. Those were really fun because some of these skilled big guys uh, were really good value bets because they were winning those things right. Bam at a buyout about twelve to one one year. Demontis Sabonis I think the year after that. So those were a lot more fun. I don't really enjoy the. Uh, the current iteration of the skills competition and the dunk contests get a little froggy with the scoring as we have seen in years past. So I don't want any part of judged sports outside of the Olympics. The Olympics are fun anyway. Well, cause there's also a dare I say, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know what the word I'm looking for is sorry. It's late. Anyway, um, let's go to the three point competition. So we have odds up, and this has shifted from what I saw earlier in some global markets. Your favorite to win the NBA three-point contest, Damian Lillard at plus 425. Buddy Heald, also the favorite at plus 425. Jason Tatum at 5-1. to one. Kevin Herter at 550. Tyler Hero at 550. Tyrese Halliburton at 6-1. to one. Larry Markkinen at 650. And Julius Randle at 7-1. to one. So first off, give me all of that 425 with Buddy Heald. Heald has been, is absolutely tremendous, as we know. Um, and we can look into some of the numbers. Like, you can get hardcore about this, right? Healed this year on pull-up jumpers, 42.7%. He's averaging 2.5 uh, pull-up jumpers per game. I, I I would compare this to pull-up jumpers because, right, they're not coming off of and catching these balls. I guess technically it is kind of the motion of catching because you're, like, reaching over to your side and then going up and pulling up. So even if that is the case, catch and shoot 42.4%. Uh, but they're actually not catching anything. 
that would be an interesting wrinkle to add, right? Actually having to catch the ball, almost like a home run derby, because then you need somebody who you actually trusts to pass you the ball. And you get some machine to do it. But regardless, uh, healed has been great. 42.4% on catch and shoot three-point attempts. 42.7% on pull-up jumpers. Now, the issue when you look around, I guess, at Heald's, like portfolio is nothing. Uh, he's been incredible. 43% overall from three. Non-corner three-point attempts. So those above-the-break threes on those baskets that he's going to get. Um, or racks, excuse me. 41% on non-corner threes this year. He's taken 432. And from the corners, on 106 three-point attempts from the corners, he's shooting 50%. Buddy Heald should be the favorite, but he should be ranked ahead of Damian Lillard. Uh, he is uh, the fact that we're getting Buddy Heald at about uh, just over four to one to win this thing. Uh, I think that is let's go. I will take that every single time, and not to take away from Damian Lillard, but like to stress here, Damian Lillard is not a corner three point shooter, right? Corner three point guy, guys who shoot well from the corners generally more off ball, right? They're moving, they're finding open spaces in the floor. They're going to be standing there waiting for a catch and shoot opportunity from lead guards like a Damian Lillard or others that are setting up for them. So healed, I think is going to work out really well for this kind of a competition. And and to point the example out, Damian Lillard this year, only shooting 37% on corner threes. And if you look throughout his entire career, he has only one, two, three, four times shot above 37% on corner threes. So you could foresee a scenario in which Damian Lillard has a lot of trouble on these corner three-point attempts. So I don't want any part of Damian Lillard. I think Heald should be ready to bump him. Give me Buddy Heald plus 425 as one of my plays for the three-point competition. Um, some of the other names that I think might be pretty popular when it comes to winning this thing, like Tatum, for example, I'm I'm not sure if I really want a piece of Tatum uh, to win this thing. Tatum, again, uh, somewhat similar to Damian Lillard in that when you're talking about where he could struggle, it could be from the corners. Now, he is shooting a higher percentage from the corners, um, 21 of 47. That's 45%, but again, only 47 attempts from beyond the arc. And Tatum this year, it's mainly due to high volume, but he's not really shooting incredibly well from three. Uh, 36% from three-point range, 183 of 508 attempts. And on non-corner attempts, he's shooting 35%. So again, that could be more volume than anything else because he's taken a crap ton of three-point shots this year. Um, and I think it actually might be more than he has in his career. Yeah, he's it's, he's had a career high in terms of frequency from beyond the arc. So that's probably why those numbers are down. But not really, not really a efficient three-point shooter more on volume so far this year not an incredibly great non-corner three-point shooter either so again a majority of those bat those um those racks are going to be above the break three-point shots that is going to be something that could work against him I don't want any part of Tatum I think he's up there because of name and anything else you can also eliminate Tyler Hero too uh Hero has not been really great at all 40 percent on corner threes is fine uh, you want to shoot a little bit higher than that, and it's only on 57 attempts. 37% on non-corner threes is fine. Again, that's good. But I don't think that's worth um, – nothing really sticks out in terms of investing at plus 550. The other name that stuck out to me that I really wanted to bet uh, was Kevin Herter, but I was kind of surprised to look. Herter is not a good corner three-point shooter this year. He's only shot 35% from the corners. That's not good. Like, you should be at least above 40% from the corners. That's the easier shot right? Um, they call it the easiest shot in basketball. It's not the easiest three-point shot. Um, only shooting 35% from the corner so far this year. Now, he's been awesome on those corner threes, or excuse me, those non-corner threes. So those above-the-break racks are going to be really good for Herter. Maybe he makes up a lot there. I think they're still having those Mountain Dew, like, what are they, like three-point or four-point balls, whatever it is. So he could really work from that distance as well. 
Herter was my second choice. So the, the two tickets I'll have are Buddy Heald and Kevin Herter because I think Herter and what he does from above the break is going to be pretty good. But I haven't officially bet Herter yet, and I kind of want to replace him with Tyrese Halliburton potentially. Halliburton's numbers are awesome. And the reason why initially I wanted to bet Kevin Herter was because the odds I saw him at, I think he was like the second to last choice. Uh, but Tyrese Halliburton's down at 6-1 to one to win the three-point contest. And to give you an idea, Tyrese Halliburton, 41% from three this year, 41% on non-corner attempts, and 44% from the corners. Now, he's only taken 39 corner threes this year. But that's a really good clip. That's a really good clip for a guy who's 6-1 to one to win the three-point contest. So I think officially we'll go with... Again, I haven't bet this yet because I haven't actually seen if it's up in Vegas yet. But once it becomes available, Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton are going to be the plays for me to win this thing. Love the three-point contest. And then I'll stop watching. Don't really watch the All-Star game at all. All right. All right. We'll end this here. Uh, Again, thank you for listening and uh, always appreciate it. Uh, We will be back on Monday with Chad Andrus, who works out in Denver, Denver Radio Personalities, to give us the insights on the Denver Nuggets and what the Western Conference looks like now and his thoughts on what the Nuggets can do in a West that has gotten a lot stronger. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, and we'll talk to you in a couple of days here on Hardwood Handicappers. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.